Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 517, with Bane Brooks. You know, they were trying to do the X, Y's, and Z's, and they forgot about the A, B's, and C's. You got to start with the A, B's, and C's. A clean restaurant, a clean staff, a front and a back of the house that love each other versus pull of screaming and yelling at each other. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. If you want new customers, more revenue, and a huge advantage over your competition, then listen up. My good friend and industry expert, Nick Fosberg, is doing something special for Restaurant Unstoppable listeners. He says most owners are wasting money on Facebook because our industry does not provide enough knowledge. And I got to say, I agree. So Nick is going to take some of our listeners and guarantee them a minimum of $500 in sales for every $100 they spend on ads. If not, they don't pay. Yes, that means he's guaranteeing a 500% ROI and new customers in your door. That's pretty rad. If you want more info, go to ru500.net. That's ru for restaurant unstoppable 500.net. Wouldn't it be great if you could play music directly from your Spotify account in your own restaurant without worrying about being pinched by the music police? Well, guess what? With Soundtrack, your brand, you can. Unlike Spotify Premium, YouTube, or Apple Music, Soundtrack, your brand is licensed for business use. And with SoundtrackYourBrand.com, you can import your favorite music from Spotify and share them directly with your guests. This deal typically goes for $26.99, but if you act now, you can get this deal for $19.99 per month per location for life. Get on it. Again, that's soundtrackyourbrand.com or find the banner in the show notes. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Bane Brooks, my man Bane. Are you feeling unstoppable today? I am feeling unstoppable today. <laughs> yes, that is what we like to hear. So Bain was born in Dallas. He is a graduate of OU with a BA in communication before taking or before moving back to North Texas in the mid-1990s. He arrived with several years of restaurant experience, and he turned that experience into the well-known Two Rows brand. After 16 years as a partner and manager of several locations, Bain and his Allen location weathered the economic decline, and he continues to remain a flagship of the Allen, Texas restaurant scene. Previously, Bain served on the board of directors for the Texas Restaurant Association and served as a as the president of the Greater Dallas Restaurant Association. So uh, I'm really excited for this conversation. Uh, it seems like you've kind of weathered a lot you've 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 gone through a lot you've contributed to a lot too not just with the restaurant associations but also within your community which i'm really interested to dive into a lot so i I can't wait but let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra what do you got for us Ben? well there's two things there's one from the customer side uh that i always like to share with my staff you got to make love to them Mm. when they walk in the door you got to make love to them and uh you know, that's just the way that I, I, I operate. And I mm. and, and another thing that I always kind of tell myself that motivates me is I don't come to work for money. I don't come to work for money. Uh, I think that gets in the way of, of being able to share the love. I love it. And, and if you're not coming in for money, why are you coming in? I'm coming in for 
to be with my team, number one. I've been with uh, my staff. I've got a 15-year in the back. I've got a 12-year back there. Wow. I've got two eight years. The young lady that's waiting on you, she's been with me four. Uh, my general manager's been with me 10. My former general manager just left. He was with me 16. So I, I come in to be with my, my family. Mm. And uh, obviously, I want to make a living. And uh, we want to we 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 want to perform every day. Mm. We want to perform every day. Man, I can't wait to dive into this and kind of pull back the layers of what you already shared with us. But let's go back to where it started. So uh, you went to school. Uh, you were a communication major. You're also a pretty well known athlete. Uh, my my research is correct. Uh, but when did you really start working into the restaurants? And did your do you think your collegiate uh, experience influenced your ability to to do so well as well as you have in the restaurant industry? Let me back up a little bit. We'll, we'll fast forward. We'll go yeah. back just a little bit more. So I didn't realize my passion came from my grandmother and my mom. Okay. I never realized that until I got into it further. Okay. And so, you know, being a communications major, I wanted to be doing what we're doing right here, sportscasting, uh, broadcasting. And, uh, I mean, I was in class with guys like Spencer Tillman, who's now doing Fox on Fox, who does uh, a lot of the sports and uh, that was, you know, that was my passion. So after playing ball, um, I went back to Atlanta, Georgia, and got into the restaurant. I mean, got into the banking industry, and there was really no money at that time. So I left and came back to Oklahoma and started waiting tables and just found that, golly, the people drove me. I, lo- I mean, I looked forward to going to work because I was around people. And uh, being a former athlete in a small town like Norman, Oklahoma, uh, I had conversations with people that were... You know, a little different from the average, average waiter, you know, asking me about my baseball career and things of that nature. Wait, go into how it was different, because I think that's a, a key element there. Uh, there wasn't an icebreaker. There wasn't an icebreaker that was needed. I mean, you know, we were talking about Oklahoma sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, being an OU athlete was like playing on a professional team. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were there, you know, the, the University of Oklahoma Athletics, we were their sport. They were their, we were their professional team. And they put you on a pedestal. So the conversations were easy. The conversations were about other friends and other ball players and and how our coaches treated us and what was it like to be an athlete you know so it was just it was real easy to have those conversations and then we're talking about sports right yeah and uh next thing you know the food arrives and so i'm selling sports i'm selling a good story yeah because all i had was good stories and uh, i'm selling a good story and now i can sell a good product at the same time okay i was a waiter and so you were in Georgia when this was happening? No, no, no. I came back to, to, to okay. Oklahoma. Uh, 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 I was back in Norman. So you went to Georgia and then you came back. Came okay, back gotcha, to, gotcha. Came back to Norman. All right. And uh, in that small town and waiting tables in a small town where you were an athlete. Yeah. Uh, so you were recognized. People knew who you were. Yes. Okay. Okay. That, that's making more sense. Uh, so you basically, people knew who you were, so you instantly were able to connect with these people on a human level uh, and be yourself really, really is what, what's coming out of this. Like you didn't have to go into a situation where you were trying to be... Uh, you know, you, you weren't going through the script. You were just being yourself. Oh, and yeah. They, yeah. And they would come in and tell me about a play that they may have seen or when I had stolen multiple bases or multiple hits. Okay. Or, you know, there was always a story or a story about one of my buddies that played and, uh, you know, some of the guys on the football team, basketball. I mean, we were just totally, you know, I was totally connected as an athlete at okay. the University of Oklahoma. I mean, I took out football recruits. Yeah. I mean, so I was really, really connected and, um, and it was good. I mean, yeah. it was good. It was and good conversation. You started this conversation by going back and saying uh, it really started with a passion that you got from, you know, watching your grandmother and your mom. So what, what did you mean by that? Go into deeper 
Go a little deeper as to how that influenced you. How were they? Well, once I became a partner, well, as a general manager, I treated like I was a partner. I mean, okay. I, I was a general like manager. I like treated it. like I own it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just, I only knew one way. And that's mm-hmm. an athlete. That's what we do. Um, so treating it like I owned it. Uh, my grandmother, and once I got to that point where I could use my creative juices, I just remembered how hospitable and how creative my mom and my grandmother was. I could just, rem- I, there's just one vivid memory of my grandmother when I was about five years old and it was a Saturday morning and the preacher, we were eating breakfast and the preacher came over to the house. Well, my grandmother, we were eating breakfast so we had grits and bacon and eggs. And the preacher, he decided he wanted to eat. So my grandmother, he sat down and that was the thing. We ate and the preacher said, uh, I'd like to get some gravy for my grits. And my grandma took some milk, put it in a cast iron skillet that she cooked everything else in, put some milk in a cast iron skillet, put a little bit of flour in there, salt and pepper, and a little bit of bacon grease, because she had bacon grease always on the top of the stove. Oh, okay. And she took that bacon grease and added it to it, thickened it up, and that's what people call a roux today. Yeah. Okay? And she put it on top of the grits. And it was it was unbelievable. And how how was he in that moment? Did he was he picking up on all this, or were you just watching from like the corner? He was just that's just who my grandmother was. There was no excitement when you walk into her house. That was her. That was her thing. I mean, mm. that was her place. She had you. Yeah. And that's how I treat this restaurant. When you walk in here, you're walking in my house. Yeah. It's that so love. I'm gonna, Back to that I'm love. I'm gonna throw that yeah. love on you. And that hospitality quotient is not taught. That hospitality quotient is, man, when you walk in the house, whatever you want, I got it. Yes. I got it. I'm happy we went back and deeper into this because I think you're really painting that picture of just like whatever you want. Like I got it no matter how inconvenient. I love the idea of if, if it's an inconvenience to me, that's even more reason for me to do it. Because the, the more inconvenienced you are to do something, the more hospitable you're being. And see, for me, that inconvenience is not one. I, a- I just can't. I mean, you come into my house. That is my place. Mm. Uh, that's where I sleep. That's where I eat. This is where I provide for my family. This is my place. I love it. So uh, you come back to Texas and you're working in the restaurant industry as a server, as a manager, treating it like an owner. Uh, when did you actually become? Uh, were you, you were a server, then a manager, but how did that transition happen? Okay, let me let me let me give you that transition. So in Norman, Oklahoma, I was a server. Okay, did that for about a year. Then uh, got into the management. They wanted to get me out of Norman because, okay. you know, being in Norman and as, as a manager, I just couldn't, I couldn't take it to the level that I needed to be. And the owner saw that. You couldn't take it to the level you needed to be. So I, you, I, I, you know, just managing the same people that you worked with. Yeah. That would have been difficult. Okay. Managing in a town where you played ball. Okay. You know, how are you going to focus? I'm going to be at a table just talking about sports. Yep. Versus taking care of business. Got you. So they moved me to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Got you. Okay. So that was in 1993. So in 93... I was in Tulsa, uh, 90, 92, I was in Tulsa. I became the general manager in 90, 93. The restaurant concept changed into a microbrewery at the end of 93 called the Tulsa Brewing Company. I was the general manager. So you had two partners, uh, two of the, the, the owners of the restaurant that I was working for. They were partnering with two other gentlemen who brought the brewery aspect to the table. So they partnered, and I was bringing it together. I was bringing the brewery side and the restaurant side together. Well, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we killed it. Mm. So they wanted to see if the 
It was called the Tulsa Brewing Company. And so they wanted to see if the concept had legs. So therefore, they wanted to go to Dallas. Whatever you want to see if the restaurant can do anything, go to Dallas. Largest per capita in the United States. Oh, especially back then. But anyway, so in 95, we came to Dallas and I was the general manager here. Okay. And we opened up two rows down on Greenville Avenue because we knew we couldn't come to town with the name Tulsa Brewing Company. So we we named it Two Rows. And the reason we named it Two Rows was because two-row barley is the premium of all barley. And we used it in the brewing process. So we thought premium beer, premium food, premium, premium food, premium beer, premium service, Two Rows Restaurant and Brewery. So we did that in 95. 1997, I went to Houston and opened up a Two Rows down there where Clyde Drexler was involved. So we did that in 1997. And... Uh, 2002, I opened up this restaurant here, Two Rows in Allen, and I became a partner in 1998 after we opened the the Houston store. Okay, so uh, thank you for laying that out for me. So now I feel like we got the the aerial view. Yes, and uh, we can go in deep and start pulling back some of these layers. So uh, you. When you were in uh, Tulsa, it was called Tulsa. So that, that was, was was that the original location? That was the original microbrewery no, called the Tulsa Brewing Company. Number one. And then you moved to uh, Texas. And in 93, you became GM. And in 95, you changed it to two rows because of the rebranding. Okay. So I, in 1993, I was the general manager in Tulsa. In 1995, I was the general manager here at the two first two rows. Okay. So take us through this this. Uh, reason for the really dive into why you guys felt like you needed to rebrand it was was because just tulsa was on it yeah tulsa was on it we didn't think the people in dallas would be receptive to something from tulsa oklahoma because the ou texas there's a big rivalry okay there's a big rivalry. that's a good point yeah they uh you know people talk negative about oklahoma and oklahoma talk negative about tulsa about um, texas so what do you think it was about you that uh created these opportunities for yourself i mean you're obviously a hustler a smart guy uh but what was it about your partners what did they see in you what, what did these conversations look like when they brought you up as a partner well first of all they they saw a work ethic uh they didn't tell me they didn't have to tell me to go home they didn't have to tell me to come in or when to go home okay i i did it on my own i mean uh, you know it's just something that i was instilled with you know as a kid you know you work you get the job done um they also saw a level of commitment I this is the only job I've ever had really mm. out of college besides the banking, so I've been with the same company for since 1989. What does commitment look like? Commitment, commitment looks like for me commitment is just getting it done, getting it done and treating it like you own it. Mm. You're committed to it. Yeah, it's a marriage. I mean, it's it whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Give That's, me an example of where you. To treat it like you own it. That you you went to an extreme to, to take care of what had to be done. Well, um, in Tulsa, we had brewing equipment that was delivered, and the place wasn't locked up. So my dog and I spent the night in a booth mm. just to keep it secure. Wow! And most people, I mean, were you asked to do this, or did no, you just do it? Just did it. So they come in in the morning and find you there, and were you like, or did well, you call I, and say, "Hey, this no, is what I'm doing? I got the job done. I went home and took a shower, and it was no big deal. Yeah, because it was just the job that needed to be done. I was overseeing the construction here in Dallas in 1995, working closely with the general contractor. And, you know, I was at the end of the job, at the end of the job, the last day on the job, on a Sunday. Everybody was gone. Yeah. But I was cleaning up with a bobcat. So I was on a bobcat cleaning. And unfortunately, 
Unfortunately, a I was right next to the restaurant where the brick was, and a bee, a bumblebee, came yeah. through my head, and I hit and turned the forklift real quick and busted out some brick. Oh, man. But when I went back and told the owners what I was doing in the process, it was no big deal. We just cleaned it up. Yeah. But it was just a, it was just the job that I was doing on a Sunday while everybody was gone on a bobcat cleaning up outside yeah. the restaurant. So again, that commitment. One thing I'm really curious about, uh, it seems like from you, there was a certain level of dedication and commitment to this restaurant. And I don't think that just happens. I think there's something that maybe appealed to you about this restaurant group. Was there a person or a character about these people that you were working with that drew you towards them, that made you want to work for them? Robert Ross and Rusty Leffler were the two owners of the original Inner Urban Concept in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, and they were my mentors. Uh, they still are my mentors. I talk to them every week. Um, they, they trusted me. Mm. I met them when I was playing ball at, in school. They would come out to the baseball games. I started going to church with them. Um, we just, I was family. I sang at majority of all their weddings. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just family. And they taught me the business. They, they allowed me to make mistakes. Um, they, they were not easy on me. They, we had tough love. They treated me like they were, I, they treated me like they treated their kid. And, um, and then made me a partner in 98 because they saw the level of commitment. Um, I learned how to cook. I learned how to, the hospitality. I mean, I learned everything from those two. And they're two different guys. So I had the chance to mentor under two different guys yeah, that I'm, knew the business. I'm happy that you're going here. So really, was it, it was Robbie and Lesler? Robert that? Ross and Rusty Lesler. Rusty. Okay, Robert Ross and Rusty. So dive into who Robbie was and how he, like, what, what key things did you learn from Rusty? Well, from Robert. Sorry, Robert. Robert you. is a front of the house guy. Okay. Uh, he's a front of the house guy. High hospitality quotient, big on atmosphere. Uh, floors clean, things of that nature. Just the ABCs of the front of the house. You know, Robert would walk into your restaurant and say, BB, how's your atmosphere? And he gets you to think about it, okay? Is it too dark? Is it too cold? Is there something on the floor? Are the tables clean? You know, those ABCs, he would come in. Whereas Rusty is a back-of-the-house guy. And Rusty would walk in, and Rusty's a little more direct. Roberts would think, want you to think. Mm-hmm. Rusty, he'd come in and support you. Your lights are too bright. Your lights are too bright. They're yeah. too cold in here. And Rusty was the back of the house guy. I remember when I waiting tables, man, Rusty used to wear me out on the fact that I would always forget to put black olives on salads. And I would not, you know, be as detailed as I could have been. And, uh, and so... I hated disappointing him mm. on not having the food right. I wanted to get the food right. So I drove myself in the kitchen. You know, I had a little bit of formal training. I mean, a little bit of training going into the management side. But I took it to a whole nother level. I took it to a whole nother level. And so what I did was I got myself in the kitchen. I got myself in the kitchen because I was not going to be... You know, I wanted to know as much as anybody back there, the, the, the cooks, the managers, the chefs, all I, I wanted to know just as much as they did. And um, and that's just how I operate today. I mean, you know, all my managers can cook or every one of us. If a guy doesn't show up, 
it's we, we can get it done. So a couple of things I want to draw from what you told me, uh, the, the big takeaways the, from these mentors. It sounded like Robbie, uh, one thing I love about what he did was that he would get you to think. Uh, he, he wouldn't tell you what to do, but he would make you look at the situation and help make you find the solution and develop those habits within you. So he wouldn't just tell you to do it, but he would get you to to identify these things on your own, which I think is very powerful. Do you want to reflect on that a little bit more and why that's powerful? Well, it's very powerful because it's an opportunity for you to evaluate what you're doing. Yeah. You want to evaluate what you're doing. You're not just you going know? through the motions. Well, it helps you grow. Yeah. and It'll help you grow when someone gives you the opportunity to think about your environment, your mm-hmm. surroundings, and yep. things about it. Because you know what? It may be a little bit bright, but it may be a little bit cold, too. Mm-hmm. Because if he comes in and tells you that it's cold or too bright or too dark, how are you going to learn? Yeah. He made you aware. Yeah. Well, it makes you makes you think. Yeah. Makes you think about what you're doing, mm-hmm. your leadership style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if someone's not dressed appropriately, how's your atmosphere? So you start looking at people and making sure your staff are in proper attire. You know, it, it, there's a bigger picture than just the atmosphere. Just there's there's more to it. And then with Robbie, the thing that really, uh, sorry, Rusty, the thing that really stood out with me with Rusty was he wasn't that, uh, he didn't, he kind of just was like that standards guy uh, of the and the discipline in you and having those standards and not letting those standards slide. And is that safe to say? Well, yeah, both of them are standards guys. Okay. Okay. So both of them are very, very high standard, high hospitality quotient. Rusty was just a little more direct. We keep on saying high hospitality quotient. What do you mean by that? I'm high not... hospitality quotient. You know, service at, service at all costs. Okay. Every, I mean, not only servicing the customer, but servicing your employees, servicing your the guys who walk in the back door who are bringing your vendors, you got to service them. Those are some of your most important customers. Mm-hmm. The guys who are dropping off your food, everybody who does a delivery here, my job is to give them a piece of bacon before they leave. Okay. Now I'm you're kind of known for your bacon, too. I'm known you? for honey pepper bacon. Yeah. Honeypepperbacon.com. Honey pepper bacon on the burger, chicken sandwich, honey pepper bacon on pizza, honey pepper bacon vodka. I even got a honey pepper bacon truck. I <laughs> love it. So what is it what does it do? What is the impact of recognizing uh, everyone down to the, the people that are delivering your food and, and giving them that little extra? What happens when you do that? Selfless. It's contagious. Mm-hmm. Your staff see that? Mm-hmm. It's contagious. Yes, sir. You know, we got a thing here at the restaurant. We walk by each other and we smile on purpose. Oh man, why? What, what does that do? Hey, you know what? It's 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 easy. It's easy, <laughs> and it's contagious. It's contagious yeah. because you just did it. People, you started smiling at me, and right. I I just found myself smiling because people want to. People want to. You know, in this world today, we got so much negative. Yeah. You know, a little smile goes a long way. It really when does. When that guy walks in the back of our restaurant and he's delivering meat, and you give him a smile and a piece of bacon, he will never steal from yeah. you. Yeah. He will never miss your order. He will always look out for the best interest, exactly. your best interest. When you take care of others, they take care of you. This is how it works. Uh, so, 95, you come back. Uh, you, you, Sorry, 93 is when you come back to Texas. You're in Texas, right? 90, 95. 95. Two rows. You make it two rows. Make it. And at this point, you're a general manager? I'm a general manager in 1995. Okay, so take me to the point where they say to you, BB, can I call you BB? Yeah, that's I like that. Yeah. <laughs> BB. We want to make you a partner. Like, what was that like? How did that 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 go down? So in 1995, we opened this restaurant in Dallas on Greenville Avenue, doing big numbers. 97, we're getting ready to open. We opened in November of 1997, but they wanted me to train a guy to go take over that store. And 
this guy was coming from a small restaurant in Oklahoma. You know, minimum six months to learn this concept, minimum. And to be able to cook and do all those things that we had sh- I'd shared with you. And to learn the brewery side of things. Wow, it's a, not a lot of time. Not a lot of time. Six months, not a lot of time. No, it's and a so lot to learn. he came in, and three months after being here, I mean, the whole time he was here, it was a little bit on the arrogant side. And, Why was uh, he arrogant? What, what was he coming from? I don't know. Couldn't was, read that deal. But, was he? Uh, so he was outside. He was. Uh, he come from one of our sister restaurants okay. in Oklahoma. Okay. And uh, I, he may have been a little arrogant, maybe because he was older than me. I don't know. He had a military background. I don't know. Um, but he didn't give himself an opportunity to, to learn what he needed to learn. And so in three months after being here, he went to the partners, which I was not one of at that time, and said, uh, I, got, I, I, know what I, I know what I need to do. I don't need to train anymore. So I'm going to go back home to Oklahoma, be with my family, and when we're ready to go, let's go. And I went to the partners and I said, guys, he's not ready. I mean, he's so far from being ready. He doesn't know how to open a store. He's never opened a brand new store. Yeah. And there's more to it than just learning inside the four walls. There's marketing pieces that you need yes. to do and to adhere to. Well, at that time, uh, when he said that, one of the partners, one of the four partners decided he wanted to be bought out. Okay. Now, this is in the beginning of an opening, so this is not pretty. So the four partners were just dealing with that piece and the opening down in Houston, I really wasn't a part of. Okay. Because we got this guy who says he knows it all. And one of the other, Rusty and Robert, were down there trying to help him get this deal open. And Dallas were doing such big numbers that we couldn't leave that, that baby alone. So, uh, so they went down there blind in November. This guy was going out giving buy one, get one freeze in 1997 around the village. It was called, uh, it was in Houston off of 59 and Kirby. Just doing marketing things that didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So this is the guy that said wasn't ready. This guy wasn't ready. Okay. And you can tell he wasn't ready. So we opened in November. In December, late December, early January, I get a phone call. Bane, uh, we need you to come down to Houston and want to talk to you. So they, we, they, um, I get on a plane, Southwest Airlines, don't forget, had a bag phone at the time. And, uh, I fly down there and the partners say, Hey, we, uh, we want you to come down and, and take over this restaurant. And I go, What? <laughs> I said, In Houston. Yeah. And you were up here in Dallas. Yeah. And I said, Why? I said, So and so not getting it done. And he says, Uh, they said, No, he's not getting it done. And I go, Okay. So, y'all want me to leave and come down here? They said, we just want you to come down for six months. Get it going. You know, sales, we're not doing any sales. We're not making any money. And I said, guys, I'm getting married February February 8th. I'm getting married February 8th. It's January. And I said, I, I just can't see me doing that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm marrying the love of my life, yeah. my best friend. And to throw this wrench at her right now just won't be a to smart thing. her life to go down, yeah. No, they're not even talking about her going down there. They're talking about me just going down there for six months. Okay. Because I got a house here in town. Okay. So. Yeah, you uh, don't want to mess that up. I don't want, I mean, I got, I got all my stuff laid out. It's Absolutely. all good. Yeah. So, um, so what I did was I said, guys, uh, I'll do this deal, but I need a percentage of Dallas 
and a percentage of Houston. And they said, we can't do that. We're going through this buyout and all this and that, and we just can't do it. I said, okay, that's fine. I'll go back to Dallas. I mean, I'm, I'm just fine. I'm fine there. And I called the cab and got the cab, and they called me while I was in the cab. Said, hey, can you come back? You want to? I said, guys, I'm gone. I got, I, I got my wife. I'm getting ready to get married. I got to go take her to a restaurant, da, 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 da. So a couple of days go by, and they call me, and they say, hey, we're ready to do this deal. We're ready to make you a partner. And uh, that's how I became a partner. I had a percentage of the Dallas store and the Houston store. I came down. I made a deal with them that I need to come back so often. My wife had to come down with me. I had a few days off. I took four days off when I got married. Took four days off. That's it. Um, and then uh, in March, I was doing more sales than the Dallas store was. Wow. We wow. Were, we were I want to get into that, but first I want to really pull back the layers. Somebody who's listening to this right now who has aspirations to become a partner, who might be working and busting their ass for these other guys and gals, what lessons do you have from What advice do you have for that person that wants that partnership? How do you get it? How do you make that happen? You just go to work. You treat it like you own it. Mm. You know, the two-cent napkin becomes yours. Mm. And if they see that you're taking care of that 10 cent mayo packet and that five cents ketchup that's when they're gonna know they'll they'll they'll, because guys like me in this industry i want to have a partner i got a longtime general manager that works hard and does well uh and you know he's got that he's got that potential to be a partner but if i were giving advice to people you know that free meal that you give away you got to make sure you're giving away for a reason that's gonna gonna be beneficial to the restaurant. Mm. I think, you know, one other thing too is, is become a person of value. Uh, when you work so hard and when you bear so much on your shoulders and you treat it like you own it, you become valuable. Uh, they need you. They become dependent on you because they can't do it without you. And if you do it like that without looking for more, but just doing it because you have that, that pride, right? You want to do it right. Eventually what will happen is that you increasingly become more and more a person of value. So now, when it comes when an opportunity is presented where they want something more from you and it's beyond what you're willing to do unless you you have that equity now you have leveraging like you have leverage cuz you you've proven yourself right and you are a person of value to this restaurant group and make they'll recognize that and when they when they need you if you if you're not, if you're not able to do what they're asking from you right because of whatever reasons unless these and these are your standards or this is what you need to to get that done you need that leverage you need that you need that something. You, you, you hear what I'm saying? I don't yeah, know if I'm resonating you. with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. You're, you're talking about leverage, and I think that leverage is not in a negative way, right, though. Right. But you know, you need to have. You need it, to be a person of value. I think that. Yeah, I think that what you're trying to say is that leverage is equal to value, mm-hmm. and that value is so important to an owner operator like myself. Once you bring that yeah. value to the table, because I've got so many people that bring different values to the table. If you become a person of value, like you will get what you deserve. And you also need to know what you deserve. And I think that's the other variable from this. You knew what you deserve. Like you said, yeah, I'll do it. And these are my standards. But you can't start making standards unless you become a person of value first. Exactly. exactly. And I think that's the kind of point that I'm trying to make. And yes, that I want to, exactly. like, you don't just, you don't just expect that you put six years with a company that they're going to, you know, that they're going to give it to you just because you've been here because you have seniority. No, 
Like, be a person of value. Right. Like, earn that stuff. Um, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm going too deep on this. No, no, you're fine. But uh, I think there's just a great lesson there. Um, okay, so you turned this restaurant down, around in Houston. How did you do it? Take us through that process of how you, you brought this restaurant that was floundering, and uh, you brought it up to a point where it's even doing better than, you know, Dallas. Was, did Dallas start doing worse? I'm curious. No, after you no okay. it, it didn't. It didn't. Dallas was uh, maintaining. I mean, Dallas was a very, very strong store. I mean, on Greenville Avenue. I mean, man. Dallas was so strong. I had Mark Cuban in there eating lunch, baking chicken sandwich. Okay. I uh, had a chance to sit down and talk to him about the Mavs. He'd always come in on the off hours. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki, all those guys were coming in on Wednesday night. I mean, we had the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it was the place to be. Yeah. 10,000 square foot with an immaculate patio. Okay. So we were the place to be. But um, that Houston store, the way that we got that thing going, first of all, we stopped giving everything away. Uh, anybody that gets something for free, you know, doesn't mean that they're going to come back. Mm. That 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 that's not a driving force. You know, we gave them a quality product, so we got the word of mouth going. We the word of mouth wasn't going around going, "Hey, there's a free da da da." The word of mouth was, "Man, there's a microbrewery in 1997 in West University, the most one of the most affluent places in Houston, Texas, and these people, Europeans." They loved handcrafted beer. We were ahead of our time. Yeah, you were, absolutely. We were ahead of our time. The Rockets hung out at our place. We had big screen TVs, and the Rockets were doing very well in 1997. Mm -hmm. In 1997, 1998, they did well. And people, I mean, we had car dealership. I had car dealership guys, sales guys. They come in dressed to the nine. They look good. Good looking women sitting at the bar. It was just a great mesh. We did about 70 percent food 30 percent alcohol and it was handcrafted beer and the place was live so we got everybody together to understand that when we put out a product it's got to be a quality product number one and we're going to put out with a smile and the servers were making money and so when they were starting to make money and we had this good vibe going on man we were unstoppable Oh man! Speaking of quality, I see what you did there. I like that. Speaking of uh, quality product, uh, your servers just brought out some food, and I got a wave of it. Uh, so, dang, yeah. <laughs> it's some good stuff. Yeah. I just got a, a big hint uh, on my nose, and I, man, it's gonna be hard to focus on the rest of this interview. I apologize. Uh, no, for that. <laughs> it's all right. So, real quick, I mean, it was this concept before you got there, right? It was it was the the microbrewery uh, brew pub concept before you got there, and just to make sure I hear, I'm hearing right, you you turned around the product. You you made the you put more um, emphasis on the product and you stopped giving things away for free were the two things I drew from that. Um, how did you change the product? Because the menu didn't change. You the just changed the, the level at which you did it? Well, no. Or I the mean, service? Here's Is the that thing. the product? Here's the thing. When you are managing a store and you can't go cook and know exactly how the product should be, there's a problem. You don't know the standards. You don't know the standards. You don't know the standard of the product. Okay. And, and three months of training is not going to give exactly you. This is exactly what you were saying before. This guy does not know the standards. Yeah. You know, three months is not going to give it to you. Three months is not going to give it so to it you. So it was inconsistent before you got there. Well, I don't know really what it was. I just know when I got there, it wasn't right. Okay. It wasn't right. The team mentality wasn't right. I mean, it was, you had, a bunch, was of indivi- it, you had a bunch of individuals. Everybody was running loose. You had no cohesiveness. You know, I run my organization like a baseball team. Mm. A baseball team, that third baseman's got to look out for the shortstop. Mm-hmm. Shortstop's got to look out for the first baseman. Yeah. You throw one in the dirt over to the first baseman and Who's knock his teeth out. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, 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 you're setting them up to fail. Yeah, yeah. They were setting each other up to fail. 
the kitchen was setting up the service to fail. Dive the deeper, was, uh, Give me an example. Like how? Like were they just okay. not on the same page? Well, let me tell you something. When you ring up something and you got all these crazy modifications on mm-hmm. it, what are you telling the cook? You're not allowing that cook, especially when you're doing volume. They have to assume that they know what you're saying. Well, number one, you're changing the integrity of the product. Mm. It's like ordering a sour cream enchilada with no sour cream. Okay. Don't order it. Y- yep. Don't order it. When you walk into my house and I serve you fried chicken, and the next thing you know, you want to put all this stuff on my fried chicken, and then all of a sudden you tell me it's not any good, don't change my product, man. I've been putting time and effort and love into these specific items. Okay. That's one way. Ticket times, the ticket times down there were just horrible mm-hmm. at that time. Couldn't get the food out of the kitchen. Well, we weren't staffed correctly. But once again, you don't know all this stuff unless you, you know, know the it. concept. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, you got to know the concept yeah. first. And that's what happened. We had a leader in charge that did not understand the concept. wasn't his fault. Mm-hmm. The owner should have said, get your back in that kitchen, yeah. back down and finish your six months of training. Yeah. 90 days, 90 days. You're not going to know the concept. Yeah. So you came in and you said that you uh, I brought the brought, team together. You brought the team together. And how did you do that? Little things, a lot of little things. I mean, I mean, basics. It's a, it's it's, a tough it's, interview because I really pull. Yeah. I try to get the details. Yeah, but it's basics. I mean, it's basics. Yeah. I could give you a bunch of little stuff, but it's just the basics. Mm. You know, they were trying to do the X, Ys, and Zs, and they forgot about the A, Bs, and Cs. Mm. You got to start with the A, Bs, and Cs. A clean restaurant, a clean staff, a front and a back of the house that love each other versus pull of screaming and yelling How at each other. How do you make other. a front of the house and a back of the house love each other? You got to show them the value of it both. You got to show each other the value. Mm. You're not going to make any money screaming. Or you're not going to make any money when you got long ticket times as a server. You're not going to make any money when the food's incorrect. Okay? The cooks, you're not going to make any money if the servers are not bringing in customers. Yeah. So it's a team. Yeah. And one thing you mentioned, you said you had a bunch of individuals running around pulling in different directions. How did you get these people to pull in the same direction? How did you get to that point? Just imagine this. You're trying to win a World Series. You have a pep talk before every shift we call that our pre-shift you have a pep talk after a post shift so when you're playing a baseball game when you're playing a baseball game that coach is going to address the team before the game Mm -hmm. he's going to give them a road map that's what your pre-shifts are all about yes is giving your staff a road map yes at the end of the trip you're going to let everybody know how we drove how we played on our journey or through the game. There's not a coach in America that's not going to address his team after the game has been played. I'm so happy you're saying that. I think we put so much emphasis on the pre-mail. We forget about the debrief. We forget about this is what we set out to do and this is where we where we ended up. Did we achieve what we were trying to do? Did we, did we miss it? Why? Why not? Get that feedback. How do you, how do you set that up? Well, we set it up. It's our. It's how we how we operate. Yeah. You know, it only takes five. It only takes a couple of seconds to grab everybody, go back and dry storage, and say, "Look, guys, we hit it today. Nice. It's Mother's Day. Yes. And we hit it. You know what? We had one customer complaint. You know what that complaint was? They had to wait too long. So we hit it today. Mm. They had to wait too long at the front door, not for their ticket. Yes. We hit it today. This is what we did right. Yes. Because it's easy to find somebody doing something wrong. And we oh, yeah. we have a system here in or in our organization. They're called, they're called Bane Bucks. And I give them to managers because I want them to find somebody doing something right. And at the end of the quarter or the end of several months, we auction off TVs and, and iPads and things like that 
where the staff can use their box to buy it. Mm-hmm. So throughout the process of getting at the end of this road, we're doing positive things and identifying positive things so we can be positive around here, mm-hmm. like smiling at each other. Those are positive things. So addressing your team after the game is just a part of the game. And plus, you, you need, your people need to know when they hit it. They need to know what the job done right looks like, and you need to reinforce a job done right. You need to give that positive feedback. Like, this is what it's – this feeling, this what you did today, that is what we're going for Correct. every day. Correct. Um, awesome. So uh, eventually, uh, how many businesses were you a partner of? Oh, man. We had uh, we had a total of five restaurants. We had uh, Dallas, Houston. Allen, Addison, and one in Garland. Okay, and how long did that five stretch go? Okay, very interesting. That's a good question. You know, we opened Dallas in 1995. We were there for 15 years. Uh, we were in Houston, 1997. We were there 15 years. That's a good stretch. That's a great stretch. Both both restaurants were 10,000 square feet. The rent on both restaurants was 26,000 a month. Wow. Okay, that's 26 bucks a foot. Well, 26000 a month. And new landlord in Dallas, guys out of California, came in, and we were in our going in our fourth five-year option, and they wanted to propose raise our rent to 40000 a month. The same thing happened in Houston at that property, going into our – we had four five-year this options. This is 2010. No, this is in um, – let me see. 2000, in 1995 – it would have been uh, 2015. Or no, 10. 2010, 10, 10. yes. Okay. And then... Um, yeah. And same thing happened in Houston. Okay. Same thing happened in Houston. And uh, 95 and 97. So, both... We, we closed both stores. Yeah. So, did you even take that proposal or did you say no? At 40 grand a month? Yeah. No. Okay. You know how hard it is to make... To, to pay... That's a big I, nut. I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big nut. 40 grand a month? Man. I mean, you got to sell a lot of burgers. And so at that time, when we closed those two stores, closed Dallas, I opened, uh, I already had Allen in 2002 open. When we closed Dallas in 2010, I opened a little small restaurant, Two Rows, in in, um, in Garland. And that Garland store, I did something different. I messed up. I, I messed up. I went to the partners and I said, hey, I want to do a little different spin on Two Rows. Can, I, can we reflect on the two restaurants that closed, though? I mean, I think you guys did the right thing in that situation because you could have, like, just you know, try to focus on your pride and say we got this, and then you would have been hemorrhaging money, and then you might have had to gr- close three or four restaurants at that time because they would have been carrying the weight of these two underperformers. Agree, I mean, agree. So and like you, you made that decision, like you had to swallow your pride and make the decision that was best for the business. So you know, is that a fifteen year run and they're jacking the, the rent on you? Like most people don't last a year, you know. So uh, I think there was a, a smart business decision there. You got to know when to swallow your pride and look at the numbers and make the right business call. So I would not disagree with that, but I'm gonna tell you this. In this, I, I, I agree with you on the fact that we made the right business decision. Yeah. But the the first thing I've learned in this business is pride and ego. That's wayside. It goes to the wayside. If you operate your restaurant on pride and ego, you're going to have a big problem at mm-hmm. the end of the day because you've got staff members that you're going to have to swallow your pride and your ego. You've got customers that you're going to have to swallow your pride and your ego. Once again, I'm, we make love to them. Make love to the customer and, and, our, and, our, and our staff. So that decision was easy for me. 
It was easy for me. It's a very expensive decision. A lot of people don't understand. It's more expensive to close a restaurant than it is to open it. When you're opening a restaurant, everybody wants to give you 30-day terms. Everybody want to give you this. They want to give you that. But when you let them know that you're closing, you know what they want? Their money. Mm -hmm. They don't want 30 days. They don't want nothing. I want my money today, and I want all of it. That's that's the difference between opening and closing a restaurant. So it's very difficult. Yeah. You know, you feel for the staff members. Yeah. Everybody got paid. Yeah. We never filed bankruptcy. Those were the big, big. Those are big, wins. Those are wins. Yeah. Those are wins. And, yeah, and And the staff got their money. Yep. So um, bringing it back to where we left off, uh, you opened a, a smaller two rows in what town was it? It was called Garland. Garland. Okay. So we are. We had already had. We had um, two rows. Allen, two thousand and two. We had two rows, Addison, 2005, six, somewhere in there. And then 2009, 2010, when the dollar store closed, because we used a lot of those employees out at the Garland store, I decided to open up kind of my, 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 my spin. Okay. But still kept it two rows. It was a Southwest theme. It was dark woods, big old... My version of a Texas chandelier made out of copper. Uh, I mean, but the same two rows menu. Bad move on my part. So Very what, bad move. Why was that the bad move? Because I took away from the identification mm. uh, of, of, of stuff that had been successful. Mm -hmm. And it'd be different if I would have gave it a different name, a different menu, because it had a different feel. So people are coming in and expecting two rows. They yeah. come in and get something totally different. They come in and get the same food, yeah. but the different atmosphere. Yeah. Excuse me. And uh, it was a mistake on my part. Yep. I learned a valuable lesson. And you know what? The thing is, when we closed, that's, we had that store for less than a year. Okay. And once again, the pride thing. Let's talk about pride. And this is where I really learned that um, that pride and egos for somebody outside the restaurant business. Yeah. Because what, what happened for me was we were not doing sales. And it was hard to pay that that. Um, we had a loan to buy the land in the building, and it was tough to pay it. And I went to the banker. I went to the banker, and I said, Regions Bank is who it was. And they were so, I mean, if you ever want a good bank, they were awesome. But anyway, I went to Regions, and I said, good, guys, I'm struggling paying this not. I mean, I don't know if we're before our time. We're putting out a good product, I think. Our service is good, but it's tough. And uh, the banker said, okay, give us a 60-day evaluation process. So I didn't know what they were meant by evaluation process. I don't know. I just thought they were going to do something internally that I didn't know about. But what they did was they mystery shopped us. They came out. They saw what we were doing. They evaluated what we were doing to make an assessment on how we were going to go forward. And um, the banker called me, and I went downtown, and I met with him. And he said, uh, he says, Bain, uh, I want to tell you, you're doing a good job out there. You and your staff are doing a good job. The food's good. Atmosphere's good. The place is clean. We just think you're on the wrong side of the road. The wrong side of the road. Literal? You're, yeah. Yeah. The wrong side of the road. Your demographics. We did a demographic. They said they did a demographic study. And the side of the road we were on was a different demographic that probably wouldn't be eating at our establishment. They would be eating another cuisine. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other side of the road was an outback and they were jamming. And um, so he said, uh, so you're, you're doing a good job. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring me a buyer, a buyer for the land in the building. I don't want to be public because you'll lose what you currently have. You don't want a dark place. 
He said, but I want you to bring me a buyer and, uh, and let's try to work this out. And he says, bring me a buyer, bring me an offer and bring me any offer. And I was like, wow. Okay, how am I going to get this done? At that time, I was the president of the Restaurant Association, so I did have some contacts. Yeah. And I put it out there to one person, to one person, and boom, got an offer. Went to the banker. Wasn't a full offer. Went to the banker. And the banker said, thank you for the offer. I'll take it. And I said, what about the difference? He says, I'm all right. I'm good. Wow. What's the lesson there? Humility. Mm. I think that in... The power of your network, too. Power of network. Yeah. I mean, that didn't hurt it. I mean, that did help. That did help. But, you know, the biggest thing I bring from that is humility. Mm. When we are failing in this industry, you know, first of all, you have to have a big ego and a little bit crazy to get yeah. in this business anyway, okay? And when you have to take it down a notch all the way to the point where you failed and admit failing mm. and going through the process of closing a restaurant and paying all your bills... Because you had to pay all those bills, because you had other restaurants out in the out, out there in the atmosphere, and you know we had we had three other restaurants in our organization or two other, and um, you had to do the, you had to do it the right thing. Yeah, that's one of the things that I learned from my two mentors, Robert Ross and Rusty Leffler. They always told me, "Do the right thing. Mm-hmm. If it's going to cost you a dime extra, just do the right thing. If you got to buy a meal for a customer that you don't agree with." Do the right thing. Where do you think you would have been if you didn't take this path? If you didn't have that humility and go to the banks when you did? Bankrupt. Yep. And uh, my partners had done that before. And they always taught me, you don't ever want to go down this road mm-hmm. because it's hard, Bane. You never want to go down this road. Um, Rosser and Robert Ross, I call them Rosser and Rusty. They just always, they had, they'd gone through a hard time back in 19 something. And... Uh, and they just, uh, they just told me I just didn't want to go through that. And, you know, I believed them on everything. And that bankruptcy deal is a tough deal. I mean, it's like starting all over again yeah. with a negative. Starting over again with a negative. Yeah. I mean, it's if, you want to start over, <laughs> if you want to start over with a positive, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. But starting all over with a negative, you still got to pay off your vendors. So one other thing I want to dive into, we're getting close to the, the end of our free range uh, conversation. Uh, it seems like you kind of pivoted and you're focusing more now. And I don't, I don't know what your business looked like then, but a big part of your, your business today is catering. Is that safe to say? It is a big part. It is yeah. a big part. You know, is there I, a reason why you made that pivot to focus, or was there a big portion of catering before that I'm not aware okay. of? So we've always we 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 started catering in 1998. I went to our our um, our distributor at that time, and I and got their sales team together. And I said, "Look, guys, we want to start catering. Can y'all help us yeah. come out?" And we met when they came out to the restaurant, and they looked at our menu and they said, "Bane, your menu doesn't cater well. I just would stay out of that and stay focused on." On inside the four walls, and um, I didn't believe them. I didn't like the response. I didn't believe them, and so nuts and bolts, we started catering. But when we consolidated all the restaurants and we did the partnership split up, blah 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 blah, I uh, catering started ramping up. And if you see things, and and I always wanted to have multiple businesses inside of one, just in case one was not doing as well as the other. Mm-hmm. And the catering piece brings a different dynamic to the organization. It's another business. Yeah. So just imagine you're bringing your people in at the same time. 
We're going to be here at 8 o'clock in the morning, no matter with or without catering. we got to get ready for the day, okay, if you open at 11. So just imagine bringing them in at 7, and you add another $1.2 million another on sales. Of, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay? That you were already going to do. You, you, you spend an hour more labor yep. to generate that kind. I think that's really great for our organization and very creative for our organization. And so we've got that piece, and now we're getting ready to introduce a food truck piece uh, to our organization. So we have that food truck outside. It's all honey pepper bacon. And so I saw the trailer. I didn't. I think I was too focused on the trailer. I didn't even see that's barbecue. Okay. So um, so now you got that barbecue piece. You got the catering piece. You got the inside the four walls piece. Yep. And now you've got that food truck piece, mm-hmm. and uh, now we're really going to get ramped on that, ramped up on that food truck because the ordinance here in the city of Allen has changed, so we can have food trucks go into different places okay. and things of that nature, as long as it's not three hundred feet within another restaurant. All right. So I feel like we might have fast forward a lot uh, to get to where we are today. Is there anything that we missed uh, that you think is worth going into? It? This is your opportunity to to get out anything that you were hoping we would talk about, uh, any way you can add value to this conversation. Now is the time before going to the speed round. I, you know, I think we've uh, I think we've touched on a lot. I mean, you know, you 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 when we initially talked, you you shared with me that uh, you utilize these things to kind of share and and motivate other restaurateurs and. Uh, I was hesitant to do the interview because I didn't know if I had anything to bring to the table that would really inspire anybody or motivate anybody to want to continue in this business or get into this business. So with that said, I mean, if I were, and I've been thinking about this for a while, I mean, if I were going to share a little bit of tidbit, um, it would be, you know, get in this business for the love of the business. Mm -hmm. There's something inside this business that you have to love in order to get in it. Um, and I think if you come in trying to love money, I think you're in the wrong business. What is it about this business that you love? Because you said you got to get into it for the love of something in the business. What is it that you love specifically? I love people. Yeah. I get to do so much. I get to mentor kids mm. that work here. We have a program where we have some kids that are, have special needs that come in before we open and have a real-life snapshot of work mm-hmm. they get to come in and roll silverware and be in an environment that's not at the school i feel like they contribute yeah and no one knows about it we don't go out publicizing that we have um special needs kids that come in before we open to do different tasks um i get to mentor those kids i make it special when they come in because uh i don't know where else they go but it's just the way we feel we we, we have to make people feel special no matter what so I get a chance to work with them. I get a chance to work with young kids. You wouldn't believe how many broken young people that we have coming through here. Uh, and if I can make a positive impact, I've got, I've got so many former employees that have done so many big things in, 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 in the world, in our society, in our, in, our, in our state. I've got so many great employees, that uh, past employees, that come back and share some of the, some of the quotes and how strict uh, I was at a certain point or how funny or, you know, just memories. Uh, we had a reunion and it was awesome how many people came back and a part of it. So if I were adding just different things, I mean, you know, my love is I love food. I love people to be happy. I love people when they eat that honey pepper bacon burger or that chicken sandwich and how satisfied they are when they walk out. And you know what? It's just weird. And I find it so ironic. And I, 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 I get tickled every time it happens. People thank me 
And I'm looking at them going, thank you for enjoying my product, coming in here and tipping my employees, taking care of my staff. Yeah. So we could have 40 staff members have a life and be able to be productive. Yeah. You know, I mean, I get so tickled and humbled. It's humility. I love it. I love this, Ben. And I, all I can say right now is thank you for choosing to take the interview because I think I'm speaking on behalf of everyone who's listening to this right now when I say there was a ton of value and we're all better after listening to you. So uh, thank you. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. I've got a serious question for all the owners and operators looking to increase revenue and get more new paying customers in the door. Here it is. How many times would you trade a $100 bill to receive $500 back? As many times as you could, right? That's a no-brainer. Well, here's the deal. Nick Fosberg, who's written one of the best marketing books for bars and restaurants, who's also been a guest on this podcast a number of times now, reached out to me and wants to run an experiment with my listeners. Nick is looking for a small handful of owners who have a Facebook page, and he wants to set up a promotion for them. But get this. He wants to guarantee them $500 in sales for every $100 they invest in what he is called his VOP promotion. If he fails to do this, you don't pay a penny. That's the experiment. And just recently, he ran this same experiment to help the owner of Carl and Chell's Grill House get a 282 offers redeemed in just two weeks with net sales of $14,552. If you're interested in getting more information, go to ru500.net. That's RU for Restaurant Unstoppable 500.net or click the link in the show notes for more information. Finally, a simple, affordable, and legal way to share the music that best represents your brand. It's called Soundtrack Your Brand. Get access to soundtracks tailored for any business. Side note, studies have shown that playing the right music can impact your sales. Do you have questions about what that right music is? Soundtrack Your Brand can help you there too. Here's a fun fact. I'm sure a lot of you out there listening to this already have a Spotify account. Well, you can take playlists from your account and import them directly into SoundtrackYourBrand.com. And my guests are always saying on the show that their restaurants are an extension of their own personal brand. Well, so isn't your music. And now you can marry these things together legally. Unlike Spotify, YouTube, or Apple Music, Soundtrack Your Brand is licensed for business use. Skip the hassle of ASCAP and BMI because with Soundtrack Your Brand, it's already included. You can even schedule music for the whole week and adapt the music for each day part. Typically, this deal goes for $26.99 per month, but if you act now before the end of August, you can get this deal for $19.99 per location per month for life. Again, that's SoundtrackYourBrand.com or find the banner in the show notes. All right, we're back, and the first question I have for you, Bane, is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success. I think I have an idea of what's going to come out here. Honesty. Honesty. Humility. Yep. That was one I was thinking about. Being thankful. Being very, very thankful. And uh, the honesty piece. I think you have to be honest the whole time. You got to be honest with your staff and your customers. Absolutely. What is your biggest weakness? My biggest weakness is um, I I will give that person... A lot of chances. How does that hurt you? It can hurt. It can hurt the organization for consistency. But 
finding a homeless guy out front and taking him somewhere, I just think that's the right yeah. thing to do. I'm curious. You said it, you, you give too many chances sometimes that has hurt you, but I'm curious, how many times has it uh, benefited you more than hurt you? Not, it, not a lot. It, not hadn't a lot. Been, it hadn't benefited me uh, that many times. It usually hurts. Yeah. Because, I, I, I mean, I give people chances. I just, yeah. just me. Got you. Uh, what is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're building your team? Do you have any bills? I want you to have to. I want you to have to have some bills to come in here and work. I want you to. Uh, I want you to. I want you to have to work. I don't yeah. want you to have a silver spoon in your house. And then the another thing that I do a lot is I go out and look at your car. I want to see how you keep your car mm-hmm. because you'll tell me. You'll tell me if the way you keep your car. Is the way you'll treat the restaurant. I love it. Uh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a core value, uh, a way to be. Make love to them. I love it. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that you do to go above and beyond uh, what is typical in other restaurants, but you know, standard within, untypical of other, but standards standard in your own restaurant. I don't know much about other restaurants because I don't. I never worked at one before. This is the only one I have worked at. But I, I love for my staff to please and thank you, smile at each other, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And that blows my mind that you've only ever worked in one restaurant. Yeah, I've only worked way. for one organization. That does not happen a lot. Yeah. Wow. Uh, what is one book that is a must-read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? Uh, Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson. And I'm pretty sure that one's on Audible, too. So head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable if you are not taking advantage of audio, audiobooks yet. Do you listen to audiobooks? No, I do not. No, oh I do gosh, not. Man. I just started listening to audio. Well, yes, I do. I have this audio uh, Bible. Okay. Bible. And, um, it's a I game ju- changer. I just, started, I just started listening to it probably three days, three, four days ago. My How do you wife, like it so far? I love it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it gives me a good start to the day. Yep. And, um, you and you know, can do it while you're doing other things, which is the other cool well, part. I was saying, I've just been reading as I go with it. Yeah. Just so I can get the full of yeah. some of these verses that are out there. But, uh, but yeah, the Who Moved My Cheese. And the reason I say that, that, that I think it'll make a person a better restaurateur, is because every day my cheese is moved. I come in expected to do X, Y, and Z, and I end up doing A, B, and C. So what's, what's the big lesson from that book then? Um, be flexible. Mm-hmm. Be very, very flexible. Open-minded. It teaches you open-mindedness, flexible, because, you know, you come in and if I got to change filters, I got to change filters. Uh, if I come in and someone's late, I got to go get food prepared, yeah. ready to go to deal with that. If I have a server that has an issue, I mean, you know, everybody thinks their day is important. Yeah. Just embrace the process, right? Yeah. And don't, don't lose your stuff. When the, the stuff does hit the fan because it's just wasting energy. Exactly. Um, all right. So what is one online resource or tool you're leveraging? Online tool. Or resource. It could be uh, like Nation's Restaurant News or anything like that. You know, I being a guy that is on the floor and in the game, I spend very little time in the office. Yeah. Can't make no money there. Yeah. Customers out here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if I do anything, I Google, you know, how to fix this. Uh, I think Google is what YouTube, I use. Right? Yeah, YouTube as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, absolutely. Um, you know, it's just like Savannah and I, we're uh, 
cleaning drains in there. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, most people don't leverage the power of the internet to the, the fullest. And I'm probably one of those people. Yeah, but even just looking things up and getting the information, it's out there if you're looking to find it. Oh, yeah. My, if you're willing to find it. My managers, who are a lot younger, they, they find out stuff over the internet. Okay. Me. So this next question, similar, but what is one piece of technology within your four walls you've adapted uh, to increase efficiency, communication, profitability, things of that nature? Um, schedule fly. Schedule fly. Yeah. We, awesome. you know, it's a way to communicate. Um, first of all, a way to do the schedule, the way that we can have like a red book, like a, like a ongoing notes that things that happen within the restaurant and it's a way to communicate to individuals. And to groups. Yep. Will Browley is a good friend of the podcast. Shout out to Will, the guy behind Schedule Flyer, the, one of the many guys and gals behind Schedule Flyer. Okay. Uh, if you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom. Three things you know to be true uh, for the good of humanity and for your legacy. And I should have warned you, this is the last question, and it's a doozy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Um, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, take yourself out of the equation and uh, to wrap me up to just wrap me up will it be on my tombstone will it be a part of my legacy not only in the restaurant business but on city council and the work that I do in the community the love I have for my family and the way that I treat my wife and my kids I think it'll just read, may the work I've done speak for me. May the work I've done speak for me. I love it. And love your neighbor. Uh, and take yourself out of the equation. The three things. Beautiful stuff. Bane Brooks. Thank you so much. This has been an incredible conversation. We wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. So who's one independent restaurant op- operator? Somebody you admire and believe would make a great guest mentor on the show. That's a tough one. You know a lot of people in the industry. Yeah, you know, and the individual operators are not out there anymore. There's a guy by the name of Mark McGuire that I've always admired. Um, Mark was the guy that said, uh, when I first got involved with the Restaurant Association, Mark said, and he's a former president of the the Dallas Restaurant Association and the Texas Restaurant Association, and Mark said, uh, B.B., if you're going to, it's time for you to step up. It's time for you to step up and head this organization. If not, get out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark's been an operator. Uh, he owns a place called McGuire's okay. over in Addison. And uh, we used to have places right across the street from one another. And uh, Mark's eloquent. Uh, he's a family man. Um, he's one of those guys. You know, I think that that's a big part of my, my, my deal is finding a restaurateur that's a family man. Yeah. I'm take care of his family. And, uh, and Mark's one of those guys. How yeah. I speak very highly of Mark, Mark McGuire. I've known him for many, many years. The guy who owns the original pancake house, the... Uh, Magnolia the, Pancake? No. no. The, the pancake, the original pancake house. Uh, his name is... Um, oh, God. Anyway, uh, he was on my board of directors. He's a great, great person to know. Um, Matito's. Um, you giving me three? Well, Matito's. <laughs> well, I know all these guys. So. Yeah. Um, I won't stop you, man. I, the I more, call, the more great people I get on my radar, the better. Well, I call him Jerry, but Matitos. I'll tell you, I'll, <laughs> um, Randy, Randy, Randy Frankel, Randy, Randy. Well, All right. it's not. 
not Jeff, Jeff Frankel, Jeff Frankel. Jeff? I call him Randy, okay. but his name's Jeff Frankel. Jeff owns Matitos. He owns several restaurants. He's a he's a gutsy guy. He's uh, he's that guy that um, he'll spend it. I mean, he'll spend it to make his restaurant do the right thing. Yeah. I've known him for many, many years. Jerry Walker, you know, he's owned a bunch of subways. He owns City Place. Jerry's an operator. He's now the executive director for the Restaurant Association. So he's forgotten more restaurant than I'll know. Um, <laughs> Jerry's... Uh, Jerry's been a mentor to a lot of people. Um, he's, he's been a mentor to a lot of people. And, you know, there's another guy that I admire quite a bit, Randy DeWitt. Randy DeWitt owns Front Burner. Front Burner, um, I'll never forget, uh, he owns, um, came up with a concept, concept Twin Peaks. Randy came up with a concept called Whiskey Cake. Um, he's got a new concept called Some Wine. I mean, he's absolutely killing. He's probably one of the, probably in the top three entrepreneurial restaurateurs in the country wow. today. I got a list, man. Mark McGuire, uh, the guy behind the Pancake House, uh, Jeff, Jerry. Uh, Jeff Frankel. Jeff Frankel, Jerry Walker, and Randy D. DeWitt. DeWitt. D-W-I-T-T. Thank you for that list. And so you know much. my boy Oscar. I mean, you I know, got Oscar. He's I incredible. Mean, yeah, that's a guy that uh, is an example to what it's like to to be in this business and doing it the right way. He's just a great guy. Uh, I'm, I have the honor of having him a part of my mastermind group, and I get to meet with him, the privilege of meeting with him twice a month uh, with a few other great guys and gals. We get together, we we lean on each other, and he's been he's letting me sleep in his house while I'm here in town. So I mean, I <laughs> that's kind of guy. He is. I can't I can't say enough about Oscar. Incredible, and it's been it's been really great to see him with his family and just how how that goodness extends to really all parts of his life. So he's a uh, nod to Oscar. Stand up. Yeah, stand up, beautiful yeah. man. Yeah. Um, Again, thank you so much, BB, for taking the time to share your story, to share your mentorship. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. My pleasure. Cheers. We'll cut it there. Awesome. What did you think of it, man? There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable Bain Brooks. Man, what a great conversation. I think the big lesson in today's conversation, obviously, just treating it like you own it, right? Uh, I think that's what he did. Well, first, you know, we got to say, make love to your guests, right? I think that was also another big theme in today's conversation. Make love to your guests, Uh genuine true love care for them and then also treat it like you own it right and that's exactly what bane did he became so valuable to this restaurant group that you know they 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 had no choice they had to give him a percentage uh they needed him to pull it off and uh when you become so valuable when you treat it like you own it and you just focus on providing value the opportunities will start rolling in uh that is one thing i've absolutely learned and then i think there's another really cool little tidbit in here the idea of uh getting your people to think like owners right don't just tell them what to do but ask them you know what's the environment what's going on like letting them figure it out and guiding them but also creating the habit to be paying attention to be mindful of what's going on 
Awesome stuff today. Uh, all right, guys, like always, please do reach out to me. I'm in Seattle as you're listening to this, but next week I will be in Oregon. If you're out there and you listen to the show, I would love to connect with you. I'd love to have a beer, and I would also love some recommendations if you know of anybody in that market that should be a guest on the show. Keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio going. Last time I checked on iTunes, I think I'm up to 143 reviews. Guys, those reviews help so much. Uh, just thank you so much if you left a review and uh, if you're finding value uh, please do share your thoughts in a review Uh, I would love to hear what you're thinking and then lastly guys uh, the best way to support this podcast is by sharing it the whole mission of this podcast is to inspire empower and transform the industry we do that by sharing knowledge i'm out there i'm getting the knowledge i'm putting it out there for you guys to listen to it but you got to help me share it right we got to spread the word about these people who are just letting it all out there giving away all their knowledge uh for the betterment of this industry so help me spread this sucker all right that's all for today thank you guys all so much for sticking around this long i love you all until next time peace out